Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 266th episode of Real Hot Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter or X as the case may be at Hawk Blogger. And I'm really excited about having our show tonight. We are going to hopefully have a quartet of Seahawks obsessive folks, um, fans as they're often known. I've got a couple of them on already. Uh, I'll start with Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, nice to see you. How are you? I'm good, but I have a moral dilemma. Okay, tell me. I'm going to need you guys to help me with this. So I have worked at the hospital I worked at for four years. And for four years, I've been begging for them to let me into their fantasy football league, which I always get a resounding absolutely not. I am not allowed in the fantasy football league. Well, this year, they had someone drop. They're like, all right, Dana, we're going to let you play. Well, because of that, I get the first pick in the draft. Now, you have to remember, me and one other people are the only ones who are not Chiefs fans. So I have a hard and fast rule to not get a quarterback for the fourth round, but by God, I want to take Patrick Moses to Pistol. <laughs> but is that terrible? And would it ruin the rest of my draft? I don't know. But I, I think, I, oh my God, I, they would be so mad. This is the exact reason they didn't want me to play. <laughs> I think fantasy football <clears throat> is all about bragging rights. It's all yeah. about bragging. Um I mean, people put my on it, but I still think the best part is being able to shit talk people about something that's pure luck and out of your control. Uh, so I, I think uh, moral dilemma be damned. I think the question you need to ask yourself is, do you think you will be you will irk them more by winning the league or by stealing Mahomes with the first overall pick? Oh, that's by the- stealing Mahomes. That'll make them way more mad than if I won. Way that's more the, mad. That's the move for sure. <laughs> Got to do it, right? I, I would say, Dana, I would be disappointed in you <laughs> if you did anything but select okay. Patrick Mahomes with that pick. And not only because it would infuriate all of them, but because that's a very valuable trade chip. You're going to be able to get oh. more than what he's worth in trade. And you'll be able to just that'll turn into three players for you that are probably worth more than the first. Pick. I hadn't even thought of that. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Well, so I appreciate you kicking us off with that. Uh, <laughs> dilemma. 
That's Dana Gorman at Dana OG. You also heard from Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. We are very excited. I think this is the second week in a row that we've got Nathan with us. Man, it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's uh, good to be back in the rhythm of things. Uh, long off season, but uh, yeah, we're, we're getting close. Yes, it is. Uh, it's happening. We uh, we've got another Seahawks game coming up this week, which feels still a little bit like we're still in the phase where that feels odd to say. Mm-hmm. It, it, like you're looking outside. For those of us that are in normal climates, it's like eighty to ninety degrees. For the rest of some of the other people on here, it's like literally the face of the the sun. Um, and uh, it feels weird to be talking about football a, a little bit, a little bit. But in I've told this story a million times, but every single time I go to a, a Seahawks game, the first home opener, early September, whatever it is, everyone's in shorts, t-shirts, like, you know, everyone's just enjoying it. Sunny, you're like squinting from the sun. And by the next game or by the end of that month, everybody's in sweatshirts, wool socks. I mean, it's amazing how fast it usually changes. So it is, it is a symbol of a lot of change coming. Uh, and one of the guys that does not have to worry about seasons because he lives in Hades called Arizona is Evan Hill. Evan, at Evan HB on Twitter. Evan, man, it's always good to see you. I'm glad you could make it tonight. What's up, guys and gals? How are we? It's good to see all yeah. you. I feel like it's been a hot second. It has been, especially for this foursome. Like, it's been, it's been a while since this, this quartet has gotten together. And I kind of want to, I want to start with a patron question. Um, and this is a special patron question from really a couple weeks ago uh, from our very own Josh Cashman, who's a patron. Um, he wanted to know, and I forgot to ask this last week, or maybe it was the week before, who is your least favorite Seahawk of all time? And you cannot answer, well, he said you can't answer Russell Wilson. I think I'm going to remove that. If that's your answer, that's okay. I, I don't think there's any reason that Russell gets special protection here. I want you to know, I want you to say who your least favorite Seahawk of all time is. And I think there's some strategy. I'm going to give you, I'm talking to give you a little bit of thinking here to do. There's a little bit of strategy to this. You know, the more likely that it's an older player that, you know, isn't on the roster or, you know, maybe you'll get a little bit of leeway and less likely to have this run back to them. I think it's also worth maybe considering some players that have uh, irked the fan base uh, so that, you know, you have some cover. But now that I've given you enough time to kind of think about this, I'm going to have to start with Dana because she is the person who this is really antithetical to her whole spirit and being everybody's her favorite. So to have someone be her least favorite feels feels like it would be really hard for Dana. I want to know what your answer is. Well, the easiest answer for me would be Jadavian Clowney, right? Because, <laughs> because, I, didn't, because I, I don't know, just because I thought he didn't wasn't helpful and not good and, and everyone was so excited to have him. It just was annoying. No, seriously, that that's hard because there were times uh, in certain years where I didn't like a lot of players. Like I was like, who is this dude? Whatever. But um, it, it's hard for me to pick one that really just kind of irked me. Um, oh, Brian, you're going to get so mad at I say this, but Matt Hasselbeck drove me crazy a lot of the time. What? 
No, he's a nice guy, but as a player, what? the things he would do would drive me a little crazy. I don't like quarterbacks. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, Dang I'm going to stick that with That is the hottest take. It's not a hot take. He was annoying sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. It's true. Right? I've, I've never disagreed with you more on something, but I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. He annoyed me. Even though he was a quarterback. Good, be good I'm going to stick with Jadavian Clowney. Matt Hasselbeck is. He was annoying. Earth. He is like what everyone should want in their quarterback. Mm -hmm. Except for he was annoying. <laughs> yeah. This this comment from Jason really pretty much captures my pers perspective on that. Listen, comment. I'm not saying he was a bad guy. I'm not. It's not personally. I'm saying on the field, sometimes he drove me crazy. Yeah, we yeah, want the I ball think... and we're gonna score. What's that? I mean, come on. But no, I'm sticking with Jadavian Cloud. You can't say that my answer is the the playoff game. That was the Packers or something, right? I don't remember. <laughs> yes, I was like two years old. That was Packers. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Uh, all right, Evan, I'm coming to you next. Blues favorite Seahawks, and I, I assume it's Jason Myers. Um, least favorite Seahawk of all time. So I I I separate like my fanhood into like two eras, like adulthood and childhood. So my least favorite Seahawk of all time as an adult is Jermaine Curse. Whoa, another Without hot take. That's not a hot take. The, and, and, you know, that's Russell- a, That's a bigger hot take than-, than Russell that. deserves like a big, like- uh, uh, Wow. He's, a, he's part of that because like for some God knows why reason- Russell loved Jermaine Curse and targeted him like crazy, obviously, in, in many critical endgame situations. I'll never forget. I think he targeted Curse in like the left end zone on on like a fade or something in New Orleans. And I remember him targeting Curse in the uh, the north the south end zone in a NFC Championship game in overtime and sending him to the Super Bowl. Oh, did you forget Ooh. about like the two interceptions he threw before that targeting Curse also? Or I just you were talking about in the game scenarios. I remember him sending them to the Super Bowl. That did happen. That did happen. Um. But then I also remember from childhood, there was like a, you're going to have to help me remembering who this was. It was a tight end out of UW. Oh, Jeremy um, Stevens. Yes. Yes. He had, from what I remember, That's like a good pick. That's a good pick. A mm -hmm. couple of big drops in the Super Bowl. I think he scored a t our only touchdown, but I remember like off the field, that guy was like a raging piece of shit. Like it was like, it was, it was like rape DUIs, like, just, just bad. So I remember everybody around me didn't like him. Um, so those are my answers. I like it. Uh, Nathan, where are you at on this one? I, I'm, I'm going to guess I have the, the least controversial opinion on this. Uh, at least in modern, like in, in the Carol Hawk era, uh, it's got to be Jermaine Ifedi for me. Mm. Um, oh, that's such a good answer. That's up there. Oh. He was, I think, pretty universally disliked by teammates. Uh, I don't, I don't condone him getting cold cocked by uh, Frank Clark, but that did happen. Um, and he got just so many opportunities um, that he never should have gotten uh, because he was not a very good player. So, is he still? He, is he with the Bears still? Where is he? he? Might, I don't know where he is. I think he might still be kicking around though. 
Yeah, he was a super annoying player. Evan, you and I are in trouble in the comments. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and I want to remind everyone my pick was Jadavian Clowney. And my pick was Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> I, I, this is a hard one for me uh, because I'm older and been a, a Seahawks fan for probably longer. So I've got a lot of choices here. I mean, the 90s, pretty much every quarterback in the 90s was very hated by me. Like I, Stan Gelbaugh was incredibly hard. Kelly Stoffer was really hard to watch. Uh, Rick, Rick, well, Rick Meyer a little bit less so, Dan, but Dan McGuire, first round pick, six foot 20 and like just couldn't play. That was really hard. But it's hard for me to, like Kelly Jennings was really frustrating as a cornerback. He was a first round pick and just got picked on. He was kind of, for Mariners fans, he's kind of like the Bobby Ayala of of the Seahawks. He just he was used a lot, but was really awful, and they just kept putting him out there over and over and over again. And he was both slow and skinny, and couldn't defend anybody. And so that that's probably I could also go with uh, oh, it was T.J. Duckett was also pretty high up there for me. He was a big lumbering running back that was like a free agent signing. I also really didn't like Grant Wistrom. I, I, a lot of people were excited that they signed him. I was not a big fan. So I could go on. Can but I those are a couple. What's that? Can I I want to pose a name and, and see if we have fond memories that have, may have overshadowed his transgressions. How do we feel about Percy Harvin? Because mm. I know it's like, the trade was like an abject failure, obviously, but that kick return in the Super Bowl, like that's all I remember. And we won a Super Bowl and he played a role in it. So I can't be too mad. He had that nice end around on like the first drive. Like, how do we feel about that name? I have no I have no positive reaction to Percy Harvin, but he just People are putting Malik McDowell a lot in the chat, and I get that, but he never was really a Seahawk. So he was the worst draft pick maybe of all time by the Seahawks. Uh, but I didn't. I can't say I hated him. I don't. I mean, sports hated him. Yeah, when I when I think of like least favorite player, I think of the like the most unlikable player. So I, I don't think McDowell's up there. I think oh, he's got to be in there somewhere. I was so angry to have him on our team. I really didn't like having him on the team. I thought it more of, I didn't like the way they, it was my least favorite way they played on the field. So that's why I picked Jadavion Clowney because yeah. I, I didn't like the way he played. It had nothing to do with the person. There's lots of annoying people out there. So he's a free agent. I think they should bring him back. Oh my God. Stop it. We could use help. A lot of the guys that got on the line. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. We could use some backup. We could use some backup. I, I don't know. We haven't talked about the, the first preseason game, which was playing a lot of backups. But I mean, we're talking about like Roderick Perry and who knows, Levi Bell. Maybe he is going to be the next coming of who? I don't know. I mean, he he looked he looked decent, but my God, that defensive line depth is not good. Everyone talks about LJ Collier. I think that's funny. And yes, he just made a comment about the Seahawks that this isn't kind of his this wasn't his place or whatever up here. He just, he didn't rise to enough relevance to be that angry. I I can't, like, I never really, he's just laughable. You did say TJ Duckett was on your list, though, and I had the same reaction when you said that. Like, I can't imagine having feelings about TJ Duckett in any direction, so. 
So that's a, that's fair, except I see the difference is TJ Duckett was a free agent, like a meaningful free agent signing that was supposed to be a big deal and played a fair amount and like was just really bad. But I, I, I agree. That was that was probably a bad, a bad Who one. Who was the Dallas running back that they signed in? The, Julius in like Jones. The, it was Julius yes. Jones and TJ Duckett. It was the now, worst. Yeah. Guy. Jones I, I, I is on this list for me. That dude was just miserable to watch. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, let's 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 turn our attention after that fun way to open things, talking about all the people we didn't like on the team. Uh, let's start talking about this team. And the big news that we've got to open with is Jordan Brooks. Uh, I, if people haven't heard, he came off the physically unable to perform the pup list yesterday. He was activated. Excuse me. Uh, he was activated yesterday. He tore his ACL in January of this year. Seven and a half months after tearing his ACL, he has been activated from the PUP. And just to remind folks that the PUP rule has been updated to where if he had gone into the regular season still on the pup list, he wouldn't have been able to play for the first four weeks. It used to be six, but it's now the first four weeks. So what that means is when that they're activating him now, the only reason to activate him now, the only benefit of doing that is they expect him, they're counting on him to play within the first four weeks of the season. This has a lot of implications to that linebacker room. I think there's a chance this team signed Bobby Wagner because they didn't think they were going to have Jordan Brooks for most of this season or all of the season. He was their middle linebacker last year. He was the will linebacker when Bobby was here. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about what this means for the Seahawks. And Nathan, I want to start with you on this one. I don't know. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Let's keep moving. Yep. Okay. Evan, what do you think? <laughs> I was reading an article and I didn't listen to the question. Well, uh, was it Brian? Dana, we're off Hi. Hi, my name's Dana. I'm going to keep this show rolling today because okay, you're idiots. This is the quality of the show. You can't even keep the people that are co-hosting engaged. So oh I'm sure God. the listeners are just like with bated breath. Just can't wait for the next word. Go ahead. No, what I think, I don't know about the Bobby Wagner thing. I think that that has more to do with him wanting to finish his career here, them seeing that they actually did need his leadership and his talent back on the field again. So I think that has a little bit more to do with it. But I do think that they are surprised at how quickly he came back because didn't we, weren't there comments that things weren't looking good and there for a while, like back in March and stuff. So I, I don't know, for some reason that sits in my brain somewhere, but I think that Jordan Brooks's comments were interesting where he's like, where I'm going to play. I don't necessarily know because he, um, you know, Bobby is there. So what do they do with him? And I, I think it's just going to be rotation. I think there's a whole plan behind it. I think that, there's a chance he could play, but I think they're going to ease him in real slow and hopefully get him back after the first month or so. But you're right. Because of the rules, they have to have him back. They have they have to take him off the list now. Evan, who's a better, who's a better middle linebacker right now from your perspective? Um, assuming he's back to where he can play, Jordan Brooks or Bobby Wagner? Ooh. So we're assuming pre-injury Jordan Brooks returns back to normal? Let's say that he's 90% of what he was. Yeah, I think it's Jordan. I think it's Jordan Brooks. Um, 
My hot take on this is Bobby Wagner. He's not as good as he once was. I, I think the stats that people pull out of the air from last year um, are not a true accurate reflection of, of, of who he is today. He's not a bad linebacker to be clear. He's still like, he's still up there, but is he like a top three in the NFL? Uh, no, I would have Jordan Brooks starting over him. A lot of the the film guys that we like love and admire see Mike spin move has done like tons of tape analysis on this. And one thing that Bobby really struggles with is like that horizontal agility and be, being able to stop the run. And that has taken like a serious decline in the last several years. So I, I don't, I I'm, I'm taking Jordan Brooks. He's the young pup. You know, he may not cause like a ton of turnovers, but he does make splash plays. And I think at this point in their careers, I take Jordan Brooks. Dana. I mean, I don't think that's that controversial. The Seahawks themselves made the decision to let Bobby go in order to move Jordan Brooks from Will, weak side linebacker, to Mike, and they get, they put the dot on his helmet, and he was calling the plays, and then he was hurt. So the Seahawks have clearly indicated where their preference would be if Jordan Brooks is fully healthy. We obviously don't think he's fully healthy. He isn't fully healthy, and he probably this whole season won't be up to 100%. Usually it takes right. them for the next offseason. But the, if that's the case... Do you think that there's a situation where the Seahawks could sit Bobby Wagner? Is there any situation where you think the Seahawks would put Brooks ahead of Wagner? And we'll get to Devin Bush in a second, but let's just talk specifically middle linebacker. Do you think there's a situation where Bobby could be a backup on this team? Sure. Really? <laughs> I, I don't know because it, it's hard to say. Okay, so if we're looking at the logic of this, Brooks isn't going to be 100%. Of course, Bobby's going to have to start and then he's going to retire. And so th there'll never be put in that odd situation. Now, if somebody's hurt, if something happens, that also, of course, changes everything. But here's the thing. Bobby Wagner has more talent than Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks has youth on his side, which sometimes can equal out. And so to me, it's logical to have them rotational, have them in and out in different situations, especially with Brooks coming back off of an injury. Logical. So do I think that they'll look at Bobby and say, sorry, Bobby, you're nothing but a backup and sit down? No, I don't think that'll happen, especially this year. And if he were to play a second year, maybe next year, if Brooks is back to where he was before, but not this year, not with Brooks just coming back off this injury. I don't think that that will happen. And then I think Bobby's going to retire. I really do. Well, so the, the interesting part here, and, and I know Nathan is, is dealing with some technical difficulties, so I'm not going to throw to you yet, Nathan. Who knows? You're probably not even listening if I was going to throw to you. So uh, Devin Bush was one of the better players in the preseason game for the Seahawks. It, it wasn't like a great performance in general for that team, but um, Devin Bush made some nice plays. He played fast. He looks so small. I mean, he, he is a small dude for a linebacker. Um, and he's the will right now. When Bobby was here, Brooks was the will. There, it makes a lot of sense that that Brooks would slide back to Will and Bobby would start. I can't see. I I can't see it. I cannot see a situation where Bobby Wagner is a backup on this team. I don't think that would go over well on a number of levels. Brooks in his press conference said, "Yeah, I'm expecting to be back. Don't know where I'm going to play." Mm -hmm. Seems like he's trying to have the right attitude, but I think behind that is also this guy's about to be a free agent after this year. Uh, I think he does care where he's going to play. 
Um, and then you got Devin Bush you signed and if he's playing well and he's on a one-year contract and he came here to try to re resuscitate his image, is there a chance we're going to have some problems in the linebacker room? Like somebody's going to sit, somebody's going to sit and they're all, all, not all three of them. And by the way, let's compound this further. Jamal Adams isn't back yet. Jamal Adams, a lot of the talk has been him taking some linebacker snaps. So it's a, it's a good problem to have in some ways, but mm -hmm. I honestly, I don't have a good answer for how they're going to divvy up snaps in that linebacker room if Brooks is back and, and, go, and ready to play like significant snaps. I'll just say this, and I've said it before. I think Jordan Brooks should be really, really cautious about easing back from this injury. Uh, we a lot of people forget he's in a, he's in a contract year, and he's got to be healthy going into next year. And if I were him, I'm not pushing the envelope. You know, I've shown what I can do, and I think he is. He's not like a blue chip talent, but he's like an upper tier linebacker in the NFL, and I think he's capable of you know when healthy getting something in the 10, 11, 12, 13 million dollar range. Seahawks might not pay him something like that, but um, I just, I, I just want to say, I don't think he should rush it. Like lean on Bobby, especially early on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I don't want this to, you know, coming out as like, it's a bad thing that Jordan Brooks is back. He is, he should be, if, if healthy is the best linebacker on the team. Like, I, I think that's that's pretty straightforward. Um, I do feel I do feel like there's a bit of a logjam that's going to develop there. And I, I think that there's going to be a chance that the best two linebackers aren't necessarily on the field. Uh, Dana, what are you smiling about? I bet, I bet you're smiling at Jen's comment, aren't you? Whose comment? Jen's comment. No, no, no. I, I read that no. too. No, I hold on. Let me look. I'm so sorry. For folks that didn't see it. Uh... Oh, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. But no, I didn't see that. So I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I can attest to the fact that Julian Love also has excellent taste, fashion taste. I saw him at, at a golf course. Uh, his, uh, As the kids say, his drip was excellent. Uh, don't they say that, Evan? Does that work? I think it's drippy. Like you're drippy. He's drippy. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I need your help on that one. Um, all right. Uh, Evan, did you watch, did you watch any of the preseason game? Did you guys? I did not. I've been traveling like crazy the yeah, past two weeks. Um, um, slacker. I know. Are you going to be able to watch this, this coming preseason game? I am. Sorry. I am. What Cowboys, wanting, right? What are you wanting to see in that game? What are you looking for? I think it's any signs of life, any signs of of uh, of uh, depth potential on the defensive line. I know it's I know it's a tale we've been talking about all season long, but there's some names, and let me just pull up the roster here. Like um, the reality is, is you were talking about the depth being really poor across this defensive line. Like when they're healthy, let's not kid around. This interior defensive line is like bottom five in the NFL. This edge group probably worse you think the edge group is worse i think it's a i think you're hinging your optimism on a lot of question marks let me put it that way there's a lot more reason to be optimistic about the edge group than there is to be about the interior line i mean do you not think that draymond jones is like the best 
I mean, the best name, though, like on that entire line. Well, you're talking about defensive ends uh, in a 3-4, which are essentially kind of defensive tackles. When I'm talking about edge, I'm talking about Echenna Nwosu, Daryl Taylor, yeah, yeah. Boye Mafe, Derek Hall. All those guys, there's reasons to be um, yeah. you know, optimistic about. And I think Derek Hall is someone that I've been super pessimistic about, or at least, you know, not been thrilled with that pick. Um, yeah. He looked he looked pretty promising um, in that first game. So I think maybe you're meaning the defensive ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a couple of names that stand out to me that I'd like to see make an impact. Mike Morris is somebody that's gotten a lot of hype this preseason. Cameron Young is another name that people are kind of excited about. Um, But the reality is, is like I don't have concerns about this offense entering this this season. Like I expect them to dominate. Literally, like I think they should be a top five scoring offense in the NFL where this team will struggle is stopping the run once again. So we need to see that they can do that, even in preseason against third stringers, second stringers. We need these names who are kind of nobodies right now to start making some splashes. So that's where like 100 percent of my attention is going to be. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Dana, did you have a chance to watch the game? Uh... I did. I did. What was your, what was your, cause I'm not a slacker and I pay attention. I'm like, Evan, I'm just kidding. What, what, what were your kind of reactions? Anything that stood out to you? Um, I mean, I like what I saw on offense. I think that I really don't think there's any concern for anyone on offense. I mean, the running backs that played look good. I think that, you know, the, the wide receivers look good. JSN is fantastic in getting scooped up in fantasy all over the place. I think everyone is really high on them. I, I think it is the defensive line and, and the depth there, but I, I will tell you that I keep seeing this in our comments. So I think we have to address the elephant in the room and it's everyone's like, what about Witherspoon? What about Witherspoon? Witherspoon, Witherspoon, Witherspoon. He's fine. I would, I'm not worried about Witherspoon in any way, shape or form. I don't give a crap if he takes one snap in preseason. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, so I really think people need to just kind of not push the panic button on that quite so much. But what was impressive to me is there seemed to be some cohesion on offense already. Um, the defense looked a little more scattered, but again, these are third, fourth string guys, guys whose name I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, I didn't even know who half the people on the field were by the time we hit the end of the third quarter. So, um, but I think that Evan, God help me, Evan is completely right about that. That's where we need to clip it. About <laughs> knew that was going that I think that that that's where we have to put all your focus on for the next bit and I get the feeling by what media is saying and by what's being saying in press conferences that that's where their focus and attention is yeah it's always hard with the Seahawks to know where they're being really careful with players in the preseason with health they they, they're not going to push guys and so the hamstring stuff you never know how serious it is Uh, you know it's not great. You'd much rather them be out yeah. there than not. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's it's something to, to, to necessarily be freaking out about. I, I've, I've got a, I've got a different question for you, you guys. We'll come back and we'll do some more about, about uh, the game and, and some of the specific players. Which player has a bigger impact on the Seahawks potential to win a division title this year? Geno Smith or Brock Purdy? And I'm going to start with you, Nathan, if you're able to actually uh, hear and participate. No, probably not. Does that work? 
Is Nathan pulling a Jeff Simmons tonight? He's he's got he's got tech, he's got it's a Toronto internet man. <laughs> it's not like Nathan. Uh, skip me first. Doesn't doesn't. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. We're we're gonna this, mute you, Nathan. This is this is Nathan at his best. Uh, so Evan, I mean Brock Purdy. One of the most enjoyable parts of, of Twitter right now is just watching this the 49ers fan base tear each other apart about Trey Lance, Ooh. Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold's even got some fans now that are, are joining. There's conversation about Trey Lance is actually third string on this team. There are people that are like, this guy was never given a real chance. Look at look at what's happening with Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. He's already been named the starter. Trey Lance was never given that opportunity. There were accusations that that in this preseason game that Kyle Shanahan intentionally sabotaged Trey Lance by throwing the ball too much, where when Sam Darnold came in, they ran the ball and gave him a better, you know. There's a lot of shit going on there, and Purdy is throwing a bunch of picks in, in, uh, in practices. There's a lot of folks that are a little concerned. So I'm curious. I mean, we have questions about Geno. I have fewer, but I know people do. Purdy is he's played nine games, whatever it was, played really well. He got hurt. He's back. He's still relatively unknown. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's crappy, is that a bigger deal for the Seahawks chances this year than if Gino is great? Like I don't think it is actually, because I think so much of that of that offense runs through uh CMC and Debo and Dink and Dunking. Like I don't think that 49er system needs Brock Purdy to be like a really strong quarterback for them to go far. Like he he was he was a game manager last year. Like he was fine. He didn't make mis he didn't make a ton of mistakes. And you know, they almost made they there's a you know, there's a strong argument that they would have made the Super Bowl. If, if he had been healthy for that NFC championship game. So I, I think um, the matchup I think about is that 49ers defense is loaded, right? Absolutely loaded. One of the best in the NFL, if not the best in the NFL, a big question mark this year that everybody's kind of, t- well, I think it's a question mark in my mind The the Gino groupies might not like what I'm about to say, but like last year was an anomaly in Gino Smith's career. It was. And if he could take a step forward, and even build off of what he established last year, all of a sudden that Seahawks offense versus that Niners defense, that matchup could tilt in our favor because they still got the best of us last year, but this offense has taken steps forward. They've added pieces at receiver running back offensive line. The question is, can Gino take, I think the next step forward and he has proven that he can win games for us, but can he win a game for us? against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I think those two matchups against the Niners, one of them being on Thanksgiving, I think that's more pivotal than than whether Brock Purdy can be like a good quarterback or not for them, a serviceable mm-hmm. quarterback. I, ju- I just don't think that system relies on him to make, you know, uh, risky deep throws, you know, push the defense. Like I, they're just not asking him to do that. Or maybe he doesn't have that ability, but I, I, I don't think it's necessary for them. Dana, Geno Smith was unquestionably the best quarterback in the division last year. Mm-hmm. And I think there's reason to think he could widen that gap mm-hmm. this year. So I think part of the question here is 
if Brock Purdy actually cannot replicate the performance he had last year and is is a problem for them at quarterback, is that a bigger deal than if Geno takes a step forward? And I'm curious your answer, mm-hmm. where, where, where your instincts are there. To be honest with you, um, I think Evan brought up a really good point. Again, God, twice wow. in show. I don't know what, what to do. Where I'm are so we? Sorry. I don't know. I need a cocktail. Um, so I think, but I think what he said though was really it goes through CMC. So I think that's the better comparison. Is it Gino or is it Christian McCaffrey? Because Christian McCaffrey will run all over this. So if he can't stay on the field, which he has a history of injuries, right? That he can make it through a few of the season, a few games, and then he's out. If they lose him, I think that is a bigger deal than Purdy not playing super well. Because even if Purdy doesn't play well and Christian McCaffrey's on the field, they have an advantage there. But I think overall, what is going to determine this, this division is whether or not Gino can do better, be more consistent, not lose those games at the end of the season. And I know those aren't all of his fault. That was a whole bunch of messes there. But but I think it actually leans a little bit more on Gino at this point. Because if he's the same that he was before and the Niners were the same that they were last year, the Niners have the edge without question. Yeah. And so I think that you have to have a step up from Gino. And then the Niners, I don't know that they'll fall apart with Purdy not playing well or not replicating what he hit. But if CMC's not on the field, cooked. Interesting. I'm on the opposite side of this. Really? I, I think I think this is the way I look at it. If Gino steps up and plays better than last year, like really steps forward, and the 49ers are the same team they were at the end of last year, I still think that the 49ers are the better team and the gap hasn't. Like, it, I don't think it's enough. If... If Brock Purdy is not the player he was last year and they have a real problem at quarterback, then I think the door opens for the Seahawks to take the division. I think if, if he's if he's serviceable, then I think that the, that 49ers team, barring injury and those kinds of things, is just a significantly more talented roster. So like that for me, as I was reflecting on that this week, I just think the 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 state of the 49ers quarterback room has a massive massive implication on the Seahawks uh ceiling this year in a way that that's different than past um you know I I think that it's probably more important than I think it's more important than Devin Witherspoon's hamstring for sure like you know and so so I I, you know people are like why are we spending all this time talking about the 49ers because I want to win the Super Bowl. I want to win. I want to win playoff games, and I think part of that is not just how good your team is; it's how good the competition is, and and that's that's a big part of what's going to frame this this season for the Seahawks. Um, cool. Let's go ahead and switch gears and do some patron questions. Uh, Dana, if you wouldn't mind looking those up for folks that haven't done it already, go over to Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger. You get immediate access to the Slack channel where you can ask questions that we will try to answer every week as well as we do giveaways, we give away tickets to the games, we do all sorts of fun stuff. And it's a great community over there talking about the Seahawks all the time. Really, really great stuff over there. Um, Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. And if you haven't already, give the show a like, subscribe, keep growing the channel, and that would be awesome. Dana, do you have our questions? I do. So this first one is a really good one. 
<laughs> I like this one a lot. It's from Bruden. Bruden, sorry. Um, can you rank your top five current head coaches? And is there a better players coach in football other than Pete? Evan, I want you to go on this one. I already have my five picked, just so you know. But. <laughs> uh, the second answer is um, definitely not. There is, there's not a better players coach than Pete Carroll. I think that's a pretty easy answer. But top five in order, I think it's probably – I think you've got to go with Andy Reid right now. Bill Belichick. I think uh, – I think – you're going to hate me for this. Actually, no, I'm going to go the safe pick. I think Mike Tomlin is probably number three. He's a name that kind of like flies under the radar just because they're like so consistently, you know, in, in, uh, you know, they're just always competitive, even when they shouldn't be. Let me put it that way. Like the Steelers have had some shit years and they're still like somehow decent and competing for the playoffs. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan is up there. So I think I have four so far. And number five, I'll actually go John Harbaugh. Yeah, I think John Harbaugh is a really underrated name. But I think Pete's probably like six or seven. <laughs> Brian, I got to hear your top five. Matt, there's so many ways to slice this. Um, all right. I will say, I will say controversially, I think the coach that I might want more than others, he's not number one. Um, oh, I left out Sean McVay. He did. <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> hmm. Sad for you. Take out Bill Belichick. Put McVay in there. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll just go with who I think are the best coaches. I think Bill Belichick is. You just can't. Um, say anyone else he's just accomplished too much I, I'd have to give it to him for number one um, I actually think that Sean McDermott is uh, really slept on uh, the Bills coach I think he's an excellent excellent coach for a complete football team and he can kind of do it all I think they haven't won it all but I think that's a guy that is higher for me uh, Andy Reid would be three um, I think I would go I would go Pete Carroll four, um, uh, and then I would start getting into the places like, I think Shanahan I might put five, um, but I really like Nick Sir uh, Sirianni as well. He, he, he might push Shanahan because he's a little bit more defensive oriented for me. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I will tell you a guy that's flying up the charts for me is Mike McDaniel. In Miami, I mean that guy. He's so fun. I mean, if you don't like Mike McDaniel, then I think you're just kind of weird. Like, you just like his TikToks. I haven't seen any of his TikToks. No, I mean like just videos of like. Oh, got it, got it. Like, yeah. Okay. Oh my god, if he had a TikTok account, I'd be all over that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that guy's everything he does. He, it was like 150 in Texas, and he was wearing a hoodie today. Was he really? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, also, I also really do like Brian Dable. Uh, yeah. but he's, Listen, he's, you listed off like 10 now. It was top five. <laughs> guys I like. But how about you, is, Dana? Is there, is there someone? That yeah. You... Oh, dead set. Mike Tomlin, number one. Pete Carroll, number two. Like done and done, right? <laughs> Those are my two favorite coaches. Um, I really like Doug Peterson. I like the yeah. way he coaches. Um, I also am very impressed with Zach Taylor. 
So I think I love what Zach Taylor's doing with the Bengals. Um, and then it kind of fights it out between the good Harbaugh and hipster homebrewer, which is what I and many of us call Mike McDaniel. So um, yeah, those guys are fun. Number five kind of rotates and whatever, but love the Lions head coach, like stuff like that. But Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, one and two, done and done. So let me ask you a question. Sean, Sean Payne wasn't, wasn't mentioned by either of you Mm-mm. in top five. Would it be your top 10? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I lost a lot of respect for him all those years back in the same but not, situation. He may be a piece of shit, but, mm-hmm. but like coaching quality. I mean, they say it's one, one Super Bowl. it's I don't know it's like how good of a coach would be without Drew Brees just like the whole Belichick argument and so I think that that's I don't know he's he's pretty low for me but he's a top 10 coach absolutely with with, that's different with Peyton versus Belichick is he was an offensive coach and he had one of the top three quarterbacks of all time Mm -hmm. like statistically and so he was able to really accentuate his strength and it's hard to really say how much of like this year will be interesting to see but has he really done it with a lesser quarterback um or developed a great quarterback with belichick not only did he actually put brady in like on the opposite but he is a defensive coach and the defense was a significant part of that those championships that Mm -hmm. they had and part of how they won all those was locking down other teams favorite things including the seahawks you know at the end so I think there's a more clear cut case that Belichick was a mastermind behind that run as opposed to Peyton. I, I, it's hard for me to say I how agree. much it is. Yeah. Belichick's definitely higher, way, way higher than. Trump there's did. some interesting conversations that are happening in the Patriots fan base around Belichick. I've, I've been kind of watching their, their forums and, and Twitter feeds and there's like, they've kind of been floundering post Brady. Oh, Oh, for sure, okay. the Mac Jones thing, and... like, like if, like you, uh, like obviously you can't dispute what Belichick has done historically, obviously, but like moving forward, do you have like a ton of confidence? If you were a Patriots fan, do you have a ton of confidence in the direction that Belichick, the GM, and the head coach is taking the organization? Because there's been some big free agent, no, like, and that's why. If the question was, who's your top five coaches you'd want to coach the Seahawks, I, my, my list would be different. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about who are the best five coaches, then it's it's just hard to argue with some of that history. But let's celebrate for a second that the Seahawks did not sign Zeke Elliott. I mean, that is there's no player getting more press that is a worse football player at this point in his career than Zeke Elliott. Like, that guy is pretty much worthless. Did uh, you see the video of him coming out of the locker room? On no. the training camp field. Is he massive? Dude. That's some a big Ed, It's some Eddie Lacy vibes. Yeah. Straight up. Thing. You are like, did they sign him to play running back or center? I, I thought bro, it. bro, I'm just telling you, <laughs> I feel comfortable talking about this because they're sports players and they're paid to be in shape, but it's yeah. not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, anyway, go ahead, I, Dave. I will. I was going to say in the comments, it says pre-fight donut, which is a great name, by the way. It says the Patriots are actually experiencing competent teams for the first time in 30 years. And they're right. That division is going to be just crazy now. But I think that's part of it, too. They had kind of free reign over there for a while. All right, let's move on to the next one. All right. Can I just say one thing real quick? Yes. (laughs) I think the Jets are going to win that division, unfortunately. No. The Bills are going to win that division. Anyway. I think Jets surprise people. I hate. Uh, I don't, Aaron Rodgers is going to get hurt the third game, and the whole thing will be over, and it'll be fine. 
I don't like Aaron Rodgers, so I'm not going to complain. But They're not going to win anything meaningful. No. All right, so Troy. This next one's from Troy. It says, who's got the most impressive healing ability between Jordan Brooks and Russell Wilson? <laughs> it made me laugh. Sorry, it was a good question. Do you know what I just had a flashback to? When, <laughs> when Russell took that gross-ass needle photo post the Packers game, or, or it was like, before the Packers game. Yeah. And he had to post it on Twitter and it was like a needle going in or something. And I'm like, was this necessary? Was that necessary? Anyways. All right. So this next one is from Derek Woods. It says rank the current Seahawks injuries for most concerning to least concerning or vice versa. And which one does not affect the final roster due to other players getting more practice in preseason time. Brian, this is a perfect question for you. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to go through every injury. Oh, no, just the big ones them yeah. right now. Um, I mean, the most impactful injuries right now, I think the Witherspoon injury is certainly top of the list in terms of awareness. I think a lot of people are talking about would say Jamal Adams, but I, I'm kind of count. I don't actually, I'm not really counting on Jamal Adams this season that much and i also think they've got a lot of coverage for what role he plays so i don't think that's nearly as big of a deal as maybe other folks do um i was interested to keep an eye on ken walker uh, i think that was meaningful he is back it was, it was a big deal that zach charbonnet has been able to play so i, I think the running back depth is, is kind of recovered uh reek woolen was another one that would have been on that list but now he's back and he's back to playing so you're starting to go down this list of, I mean, Cam Young starts to be uh, an injury. He has not played yet. And obviously I think he has a potential to be a really big part of what they're doing. Um, who am I missing? I mean, at the receiver position, uh, there's a few injuries going on there. Um, Can we ask, what about center? I know that Evan Brown kind of has that locked down, but if Olu had a, wasn't injured with his shoulder and had more chance to play, do you think that would be a bigger competition? I do. I do. I think it, it, like he's got an elbow or something uh, from what yeah. I understood right now that's keeping him out. It doesn't sound super serious. And again, I, I just, it's not clear to me that he is a better option. He might, he might be equal to, and so not a big deal if he, and I think they've got other guys that can step in his backups there. So uh, I'm not seeing the like really concerning injury right now. Um for the Seahawks other than I think Witherspoon is a guy that you obviously want to be on the field, um, you know, making plays Daryl Taylor. I'd put on that list. I, I think the fact that he's been out with the shoulders is something I'd, I'd love to see him back in there. I think he could be part of part of the pass rush. So I'm probably missing a couple guys, but those are the ones that, that jump out to me. Yeah. That was a good question, Derek. I like that. Um, listen, this one's from Sam Brown. It says, what is the threshold this draft class would have to hit in order for you to consider it an even better draft class than last year, or even just as good Evan? Oh, that'd be, uh, I think pretty hard to do. Yeah. High bar. Yeah. That's like a, like you got, you got the best cornerback in the draft in the fifth round. And then you got two starting tackles, uh, the best running back in the draft. And uh, those tackles, by the way, are, I would say, like moving forward. Like if you were building a franchise today, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure there's two young tackles you pick over either of them, except maybe that um, mm, 
not Jets left right tackle is always getting injury Becton or whatever his name is. Um, it's, it's a very high bar to clear. Now, could they do it? They might, they might, but Devin Witherspoon would have to absolutely hit, um, you know, Zach Charbonnet would have to obviously kill it, but which is not impossible, but I see him, I have a hard time seeing him like taking like a ton of snaps and, and glory away from Kenneth Walker. Um, JSN, I expect to be good. Here's the thing. They could hit on like three. Derek Hall, though, could be a game changer. If Derek Hall is good, then maybe that tilts the scales. But like there's just so many year one like impact players from that draft last year that it's just so rare for that quality of talent to make such a uh, unanimous impact. Well, consider this. Year one. Consider this as a comparison. Uh, They had – what should have been the offensive rookie of the year in Ken Walker. Yeah. And they had what very most years would have been the defensive rookie of the year and uh, Tariq Woolen at the time. Now reek that does not include their number nine overall pick left tackle, starting left tackle, Charles cross. That does not include their starting right tackle in the third round. Abe Lucas. Yeah. Just that, just that is a pretty, like that's pretty remarkable this year. I think the Seahawks have a chance of having the offensive and the defensive rookie of the year again. But beyond that, I think between JSN and Witherspoon, I I believe that's actually possible. And people might think that's crazy. I do believe that's possible. I think they could have the best cornerback again this year in the draft at a super valuable position. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that there's as much upside. If Zach Charbonnet plays really well, is he going to be a starting running back that gets all the carries? No, he's going to share with Ken Walker. Is Derek Hall going to be a starting edge that gets all the snaps? Probably not. He's going to have to rotate. So I'm just not sure that there's that there's really the path for this, this draft class to have the same level of impact that last year's did. Doesn't mean it can't be really good, though. Oh my gosh, but two back-to-back good classes? It's rare, people. It's real rare. Can I make like a one small hot take kind of prediction? I think Charles Cross is a name that a lot of people forget about just because he was like a high high pick and at a on the offensive line. But I think he has the potential with another offseason of like bulking up, you know, refining his technique in the NFL. I think he could he has the potential, I think, to be Seattle's like most complete offensive player this year. Mm. I really think that. He held his own. I know it's a hot take. He held his own against some legitimate pass rushers last year in a a hard position. I will say that this is a prove-it year for me with Charles Cross. I thought he was fine as a rookie. He did did well. He was not not heading towards being a Pro Bowl left tackle yesterday, last year. So I want to see see more lockdown from him. I want to see more situations where he's shoving Nick Bosa's face into the ground like I saw him do once instead of situations where Nick Bosa is, is tormenting him. Sure. So I think he's got a long way to go before I'm where you are. I think he's going to take a big step this year. I hope you're right, dude. It would be huge for this team if he does that. All right. Another question from Brendan. Um, with Pete's recent comments on the versatility of the secondary, specifically mentioning Kobe, Diggs, Spoon, and Julian, Julian, excuse me, call him Julio almost there for a minute. I'm so sorry. Uh, Is Jamal the odd man out? Does he even fit what they want to do in the DB room going forward? Brian. This is my biggest question about the Seahawks right now. Mm. I, I, I share this question and almost concern it. Jamal is a playmaker. I think, 
I'm somebody that thinks he gets a lot more hate than he deserves. I think he's actually an impact player when he's on the field. He's had injury. I don't, it's hard for me to blame players for being injured, but he's had injuries because he's physical and he's gotten in there and he's tried to make plays against the run. I, I We need to see Julian Love on the field, but if he's the player that I think he is going to be for this team, I don't think that Jamal Adams is a better safety than Julian Love. What did I just return to? I just heard Julian. Wait, what? I do not believe that Jamal Adams is a better safety than Julian Love. That does not mean I don't think that Jamal Adams is not a better player, but specifically as a safety for all the things that you're asked to do, I'm not convinced that Jamal Adams is better than Julian Love. Um, I think that Jamal Adams has the potential to play at linebacker. I'm not convinced that he's going to be better at linebacker than the, the, the guys that the Seahawks have to play there. And so I don't know how they will make this work. Do they, do they move Julian Love down to nickel in situations and not play Devin Witherspoon or not play Mike Jackson in order to make that happen? Do they take Jordan Brooks off the field, Devin Bush off the field in order to make room for Jamal Adams? I don't know. And if you take Julian Love off the field, this was the captain for the Giants defense last year. He is clearly better in coverage than Jamal. There's no doubt about that. He is super disciplined, super assignment correct. I think that that's going to be a real mistake. So I don't know. I think that the the expectation probably would be that Jamal would take those snaps. I think that would be a mistake. I'm giving Evan a minute to to think on it. Here's what I I think. I think that they're going to have to ease him in slowly anyway. And so you have a you know, a bag of riches at this point. And so we'll see what they decide. Pete keeps saying that he has something very specific planned and they have a plan for, for Jamal. And so maybe it is rotational. Maybe it's different spots. Maybe, you know, we don't know, but at the same time, it's really hard to take that guy off the field. I, that's just me. So anyway, okay. Um, Troy has another question. It says, okay, this is a trade scenario. Okay, so pay attention, Evan. Don't be reading an article. I'm just saying. <laughs> Says, um, would you rather trade Mike Jackson and a mid-round pick for a defensive tackle above the skill level of Dre Jones? Let's ignore contracts for this exercise. Um, leaving Spoon outside in all packages and Bryant at nickel or roll with the roster as it is. No trade. We trust the process. We trust the process. This this team is on a right path. No. We do not rush it. We're no bombshell trades. No. I am I am I am recommending no. caution. I, I don't yeah. think they're competing this year for a Super Bowl. They're gonna make the playoffs. They may win a game or two. I don't think they're Super Bowl competitive this year. And I don't think they're one defensive tackle or you know, one edge rusher away. So no trade. Brian's going to say trade. I can tell. I can tell. Brian thinks they're like a couple players away defensively. I No, I wouldn't say that. I, I just think that if they were to get an all-pro or like a, a blue-chip level defensive tackle, that's just a massive shift in what this team has. I, like, I don't think – I think you're underestimating how much that can change – 
those complexion of any team, whether you're close or not. And when you've got already, I think here's the thing. If the Seahawks aren't elite at coverage, if they don't have one of the top three secondaries in the NFL, then the coaches need to be fired. Like mm. period. The defensive coach, this is there. I don't want to hear at the end of the year. Well, they didn't have the talent in the secondary bullshit. They've got too much talent in the secondary. So this should be a terrific coverage group. I think it's going to be a playmaking, intercepting, fumble-causing secondary. I think they've got good edge rushing. Like, not great, but I think they've got good edge rushing. They have two guys are bringing back from last year that had basically 10 sacks. And then that's not including Mafe, who's supposed to take a big leap. And it's not including Derek Hall, who both, I think, can be very comparable um, rotational pass rushers. If you put someone next to Draymond Jones, who's also a meaningful upgrade inside, next to somebody else who's really solid, I think it makes the whole thing flow. It makes the whole thing work. And so I'm not saying they should go do it, but I do think it makes a huge, huge difference. It is the only thing on this team that is below league average. Would you make a call to the Colts? Yeah, that's the, that, that would be, that's the number one name on my list. I know. I know it is. I could tell you were thinking about them. But I'm with you on the process, man. Like, it's probably right to wait. But I'm just saying if they did it, I could see the logic of it. All right. Last question. It is from Braxton, our friend Braxton, who always asks such great questions. Um, says, give us your prediction for this year's trap game. Ooh, trap game. I got to pull up the, ro- or the, the schedule. Good question, though. And, it, and, it, and it, I assume, uh, are we excluding divisional? Mm-hmm. I think okay. you should. Yeah, because, I mean, the divisional games can always be a trap game, even no matter how bad the team is. Hello, Arizona. I'll go with Cleveland Browns at home. God, that would be so disgusting. No, that would... that's our throwback game. They have to <laughs> To lose to Deshaun Watson at home. That's the, that's That's the trap game. I think I think they could lose to Tennessee. Maybe maybe that's on a Christmas Eve. Yeah, maybe that's a more impactful loss than or maybe that's more of an obvious loss than I. I mean, there's a couple on there. I mean, you, you Carolina is possible with the uh I was thinking Carolina too. Mr. They were rookie one. quarterback. Come I know. On. No. That would be a trap. That's why I'm just Well, fair. Like, fair. Yeah. But I think it's Tennessee. Not. I think it's Tennessee. Yeah. I'm looking right. here. Hold on. I is, don't know. Is there any game on this schedule where you're like, oh, yeah, Seahawks are getting their asses kicked? The Bengals game. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. If Joe Burrow is healthy, it's the Bengals game. I but are, are we going to get our asses kicked? Um, I don't know about that. Maybe. Well, could we lose? Yes. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yes. Mm. I don't know. Um, okay. That was the last question. Yes. It was. I haven't picked my game yet, though. I don't know. Okay, that Commanders game makes me a little nervous, too. I think that's Middle a good of November. One. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. No, I'm no, done. Please, please do. Um, can I keep you guys for a few more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. A few other questions that have been b- bouncing around my brain. How much are you feeling any kind of FOMO 
about players the Seahawks could have picked. Are, like when you see a clip of Jalen Carter or you hear a report about him destroying offensive tackles on or offensive linemen on other teams. Does that like, do you just blow right by that? Do you just sit there for a while? Do you look exactly like the way you do Evan? I'll start with you, Dana. Like, where are you? Let, let Evan simmer a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. Will Anderson was always, every time I hear his name, it stabs me in the heart, but didn't have the opportunity for him. So that makes it a little bit better. Um, so the one now that's been getting me lately um, is, and I'm going to space, it's Dorian, something that, that Dorian Thompson Yes, yeah. that quarterback. I wanted him in Seattle really bad. And I didn't even, he wasn't even on my radar until I was reading some of the draft guides and looking and I'm like, this kid is perfect for Seattle. And then Cleveland grabbed him like, damn it, oh well. And then he killed it in the first preseason game. So that was a little tough for in me. The second. Huh? Oh, this, it was the second. I forget no, they both. played the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, I know. And so it's second. just like, oh, damn it. Like that was just real hard. So that's the one I'm kind of sad about right now and maybe will, it won't matter at the end but right now it can bugs me. i will share brock heward and i have been going back and forth on uh, dming about dtr since before the draft yeah because <laughs> we both really liked yeah. him for seattle i will i will go to my grave convinced that the seahawks were going to draft him in the fifth round I think so too. when he got picked that caused them a lot of consternation so I, that's a great call out. That is one that's definitely mm -hmm. been giving me trouble. Evan, have you recovered to the point where you can answer the question? I mean, I'll take the obvious answer. It's it's the Jalen Carter pick. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, pre all the off the field stuff. Like many folks were like draft experts were like, this guy is the best talent in, in mm -hmm. the draft. And there's no questions about his talent and uh, the skill he brings to um, – generating a pass rush and disruption on the defensive line. Like he is, he causes issues. There's, I saw one clip floating around already and uh, you know, this is not an anti Devin Witherspoon take or anything like that. I like Devin Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. It's at a position of high value. So you can't be too mad about that. But at the same time, I would not, I let's just say this fans are going to be comparing those two picks for a long time and they should be because yeah. they have a, that freaking hole on the defensive line and Jalen Carter would have fit perfectly, but um, you know, yeah. it's, it's too early to tell. It's too early to tell. So. Yeah. I will say one of the things I am most thankful for, I'm so thankful that Anthony Richardson got picked ahead of the Seattle, the Seahawks Ooh. pick, because if he had been available, the amount of man, it would have been so rough for Devin Witherspoon. Like there would have been so many parts of the fan base that there are already a lot of folks that are kind of rough on Witherspoon because he's playing nickel, because he's got this hamstring issue. I don't feel bad about that at all. But if if Anthony Richardson had been available and they had picked Witherspoon, which I think a lot of people don't think, I'm almost positive mm -hmm. they would have still, the fan base would be tearing itself apart about that. Um, Richardson hasn't even looked that good, but it's just there was a lot of this fan base that was really set on him. Um, the Jalen Carter piece, here's the way, I, here's the way it really comes down is if the Seahawks had drafted Jalen Carter and he was looking like he was, he's looking right now, like he's a guy that can be really be a contributor. Would we be talking about making a potentially big trade for another cornerback? No chance. No chance. No chance. No chance. So 
it's just like from a need perspective on what the team like where there's gaps and where they had things that they needed to fill there's just no no question that's where they had the biggest need so that's why it would be hard i think that i think that uh it doesn't really matter at this point because it's it's done and witherspoon they were not going to pick jalen carter regardless of how good they might have thought he was so um i just was curious if that was on your mind at all uh have you developed have you developed a new seahawks crush like a new favorite like a guy that wasn't on the team last year who's maybe kind of caught your attention dana you want to go first evan you want to go first you know my answer I am just wrapped up in Mike Morris. You're just going to have to get over it. I just think he's, I love his personality. I think he played well in the game and you know, he's, he seems now this, I'm going to get shit for this, but here's the thing. There are certain personalities that are just Seahawk personalities, right? Like there are just some guys, either they're Richard Sherman-esque, which is a whole nother conversation or they're, they're Mike Morris. They're funny. They're engaged. They like the fans. Like they're, they're just fun players and he just fits in. I, I, will he be, you know, a doorbuster? I don't know, but I just really like the way he played and I just think he fits well on here. So I'm pretty, pretty interested in him. Um, I think JSN too is another one. This kid is intriguing. I like him a lot. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if there's any like really bombshell fun personalities that are like first year people outside of Mike Morris. Um, but I will answer your question in a different way, Brian. Okay. Can I just oh, tell my. you who I am so glad is not a Seattle Seahawk anymore? <laughs> I, I could go on about this. You tell me. Travis motherfucking Homer. <laughs> Bye. Top choice. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Like from this year or last year to this year? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, he's Curry Barton for me. I'm so glad he's not on the team. Yeah. You guys are so funny. I I'm surprised neither of you said Jake Bobo. Well, we don't have to because Field Yates is screaming from the rooftops on Twitter about him. So I mean <laughs> I love his this name. is a guy that no joke. The majority of defensive tackles in the league run a faster 40 than this guy. Like he ran like a five flat 40. Like he is not a fast dude. And yet he has already established himself as a favorite in the quarterback room on the squad. He's getting, he's getting play time. He's been the number one, uh, like in receptions and in yards in the mock game. And then in the first preseason game, and now there's injuries to Eskridge and there's injuries to other people on the receiving squad and Eskridge is going to be out for six weeks. You people that have been listening and listen carefully, remember that the, before the first training camp practice, I said, are you all ready for Jake Bobo to be the star, like the new love child of camp? Everyone laughed it off. And I was like, I, I, I was not at all surprised that what's happened has happened. He is a, he's like the Joe Juravicious kind of receiver. He just plays the game the right way. He's tough. He runs good routes. He's got good hands. So Dude, I think he's so old. And you love that. He looks like uh, the, the Justin, Justin Her Herbert. That was they big... do look, they do look like, uh, no, but... how old is he? Is he 24? He's uh. 25, almost 26. 
Oh, wait, no, oh. just turned 25 a week ago. My God. Take him out to pasture and shoot him. Seriously. <laughs> no, but seriously, that actually is old for a rookie. He was it, is. It, is, it is, but he's not the starter, so it's okay. <laughs> Do you think he'll make the roster? Who, Bobo? Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I do. I, I, I think if he plays even half as well in this next game. I think he does. Yeah. He's going to have to do continue to do stuff on special teams as well. Cause it's not like it's a position that's going to get a lot of play, but yeah, I think he's got a real good shot. You don't think he's going to get case and Williams. It's possible, but I don't think so. I, as long as he like case and Williams did not have a place on special teams in the same way that I think Bobo, like Bobo was chip Davis bragged about Bobo as a special teams player as well to the Seahawks. So, I mean, I think the fact that he's known for both really bodes well for a back of the roster receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell you one other guy that I loved in the first game. Who? This guy is, he is a bizarre addition to the Seahawks roster. It's their third string quarterback. Uh, Atler. He's a doobie. Holton Ehlers. Ehlers, yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like that. That guy came on, and all of a sudden, he is running like a quarterback draw for 20 yards. He is a tank. He just runs straight into people, does not. He is like the. Oh, hold up. Hold up. Of of quarterbacks. He does not give a shit. He's just going to run straight into. He throws the ball straight into the air, hopes someone catches it. Dude, that guy was fun. I, I saw a quote floating around on Twitter. This could be this could have been a fake quote, so please tell me if this yeah. was not true. But apparently one of our guys went into the other locker room and was like, lace up your shoes, it's gonna be a long fucking game or something like that. Was that was that true? <laughs> no, oh my god, I was so excited. <laughs> I really thought that was Fuck. No, there's some there's a new trend I like at least new to me that's happened on Twitter where people start putting out really elaborate quotes from players that are really not real and and they're usually pretty funny like but they're not so obviously wrong or like fake that you wouldn't know it was it was fake I think that what you're you saw was one of those fake. Dang, I'm pretty sure it was attributed to Holton or whatever his name is too. <laughs> so QB3 goes into the opposing locker room. Lace up your shoes, guys. That's funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I have a question for you guys, if you don't okay. mind. So does he, D. Eskridge make this team? He's already suspended. He's injured. He's of no value anymore. I don't think he's there. I think Bobo, or one of the other guys, the 10 other guys, because there's so many. I think, there's no chance, I think there's no chance that they cut him. Why not? Well, so one, they're not ready to walk away from a second round pick. The third <sighs> crap year. Oh my God. They're not ready to walk, around for, walk away from a second round pick who they feel has developed this season and shown a lot in camp and was one of their better receivers. So I think. Yeah, showed how to get hurt again. Sorry. Yeah, I think oh, they're yeah. just going to stow him away on the suspended list. And after six weeks, if they don't need him, then maybe they won't they won't bring him back. But I don't think there's a real upside for them to get rid of him since he's going to be on the suspended list anyway. They can they can stow him away. It's annoying. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad for the kid. I mean, obviously, he's got some injury issues. And you know, like you said, we don't blame the player for their injuries but even when he was healthy he didn't contribute i mean this it just doesn't seem to be the game for him he needs to move on. <laughs> go play in the us this is not the game for you this is not this is not the space for you uh, yeah just that's like a rough one. it's just like it's just 
cut bait from this type of dude. Yeah. Like, give like yeah, there's uncertainty with what comes next, but like to me, this is like cultural. Like in that locker room. Like give players shots to like that that's just not the type of player I think that deserves a spot on this roster. It's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we don't know all the details, so it's always worth, you know, holding out some hope that there's more context to it. But yeah, it doesn't that's definitely doesn't look good. And generally I like to have those guys on other teams to be cheering against instead of having them on yours. So I I, I get it. I get it. Um, all right. I don't think that there's a lot else to go over other than I think it would be really off for us to go the whole show and not mention Alex Collins. Um, you know, I hate mm-hmm. to bring up a, you know, it's a bummer obviously, but um, for folks that didn't hear, obviously I think most folks here have 28 years old, was in a car accident, fatal car accident, was driving a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle and, you know, went in the back seat through a SUV and she pulled out for you. Uh, man, I, I was so, shook by that when i saw it i mean so young and the guy always had a smile on his face i think he only was with the seahawks a little bit two different times but i think was a guy that everybody was pretty fond of and it seems like it's hit the team pretty hard as well so i don't know if you guys had any uh do you have any favorite alex collins memories or anything you want to add uh kind of pay him a quick tribute um my son sent me my son believe it or not was a huge Alex Collins fan. He was so gutted when Seattle got rid of him and then became kind of a mini Ravens fan for a minute because he was like, the Ravens are just going to... And then they used him well. And he, I don't know why Hayden so attached himself to him, but he just really did. So he was heartbroken. And I said, Hayden, I can't be right. I just saw... Because I followed Alex Collins on Instagram. I just said, he was just on Instagram two days ago. I said, it's not like he was sick or something because I hadn't heard why yet. And so um, it was just so bizarre. But the outpouring from both the Ravens and the Seahawks, I think kind of told you what kind of guy he was because both teams were just tribute after tribute after tribute to this kid. And he was trying real hard to get back. He played in the USFL this year and did well there. So um, it's just sad because it was a tragic accident. And, and if you've read the details on the accident, it's even worse. And so it's just, it it was just, uh, he was, he was just a good soul, you know? And so people were really, people are really missing him and mourning him. And, and that's, that's always the hardest part. I mean, yeah, I obviously didn't know him personally, but like, he's one of those people that like, and this goes beyond the realm realms of football. I think it's like, he has a very, he had a very infectious uh, smile and I think personality and just demeanor about him. Um, people, I think, would just naturally gravitate towards him. He was fun. You know, he appeared fun to be around. Um, it's just uh, it's just devastating. I mean, I'm the same age as, as Alex Collins. And, I mean, it's it's just it's just so tragic. It's 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 unreal. So yeah. it's really yeah. sad. Yeah, uh, I think hopefully they they pay tribute to him uh i don't know if any of those guys can do the river dance on uh on the squad but that would be pretty funny um otherwise uh yeah we've got a new game coming up saturday night this is at home against the cowboys one of my other fomo guys is on that roster which is uh deuce vaughn 
Um, he was on my list for the Seahawks and later rounds as a running back and is getting a lot of buzz as the next Darren Sproles. We'll see. He's he Dana, if you haven't seen this guy, he's like five foot seven. I mean, he is tiny, but he is just a jitterbug. And he made a move in his first preseason game that caused the opposing safety to almost concuss uh, his own linebacker by running into him. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to see. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of playtime. I don't know if Gino is going to get some snaps, if the first string is going to get any snaps. Maybe not. But uh, let's hope the offensive line plays a little bit better. Let's hope the defensive line plays a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, let's hope it's fun. So, uh, anything else before we wrap up for you two? I uh, actually, yeah, I'll take one last question here. Um, I am really trying to figure out, like, every year I try to pick one away game to go to. And I'm really undecided on what to do this year. And I don't want it to be, like, a classic, like, going to the Cardinals or divisional Rams game. Like I want it to be somebody outside of the division. So like looking at the, looking at the 23 schedule, what's your gut reaction in terms of like, go to this city, you know, at this time. I think it's easy, dude. Is it Baltimore? No, it's the Titans. You got to go to Nashville. Nashville. It's Christmas Eve though. They ruined that for all of us because everyone was going to Nashville. That game is on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Ooh, that's a little difficult. I mean, Nashville, that, that that was the number one on my list. I still haven't decided if I'm going to make it or not, but I've always wanted to go to Nashville. and all the Tickets movies. look cheap as hell. Oh, my gosh. Let's see. I've Ball been to the on your list, dude. Really? I want to visit D.C. D.C. is awesome. There. Yeah, so yeah. I'd fly into D.C. and I'd, like, spend a few days in D.C., I'm a big political nerd. That's kind of why. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been to DC before? I have not. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot more. I, I went to school for four years in DC. I love DC. So I, yeah. I totally love that. It's, it's one of a kind. I have a lot of close friends in DC too. And I just, I really haven't explored much of the East coast to be quite honest. So mm-hmm. you're not missing a lot. I did like, mm-hmm. I did like Boston. I went to Boston recently. Yeah. It's got its moments. I've yeah. got family there. The North end of Boston. Yeah, you got the river going through. You got some good parks, good food, good people for the most part. Really, really awful drivers, like awful, awful drivers. I was in New York for the first time uh, like eight months ago. I'll tell you guys a quick funny story. Uh, We were like out late at a work event and I was like super tired, but I had some colleagues like uh, drag me out for drinks afterwards. And we went to this like Irish pub. I ordered one drink. And I was like, guys, it's like 1130 on a Tuesday night. Like, I got to go home. I, I got to go to the hotel. I'm tired. So I like I like wave over the, the bartender. I'm like, hey, man, can you tap me out? And, he, and I shit you not. This is how he responds. I actually don't even know if I could say these words on YouTube. Uh, he said, don't be a cheap C word or order another drink. And I was like, in the, in the most like like Yankee accent possible. And it was like welcome to New York. It was yeah. it was a crazy experience. So yes. I don't yes. know how I got on that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Dana, did you have any other? Did you have any other road games you think that that uh? That it kind of it kind of depends on like are if are you going for the city if you're going for the stadium because honestly I think everyone should go to a game in Dallas at some point that is probably the most amazing stadium I've ever been into or been to I haven't been to SoFi yet so I have to give it that but um the tour for that was fantastic and I have great memories there because that's also when. The Royals <clears throat> won the Super Bowl that day. So that was a good, or the Super Bowl, the, the World Royals, Series. How do the Royals do today? I have no idea. I don't watch baseball. Did they lose to the Mariners <laughs> or something? They lost. They've they been played. Yeah. They've been playing the Mariners. I just found that out for my son. I have no idea. We don't watch baseball. Um, so um, that'd be a good one. The Ravens would be a good one. Um, I'm trying to think. But like, yeah, but like Giants. outside of. Outside of mm-hmm. Dallas, like, is there like no? Dallas there's nothing. You would only go for the stadium. I mean, that would be really okay. the only reason to yeah. go. Um, the Giants is the game I think I really want to go to. Um, mm. And then, um, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, there's there's nothing in Cincy. I mean, they, it's like a good team, but you know, so that's kind of if you're going for more of the trip of it, then I'd go to DC. Yeah, I think that's DC or New York. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining as usual. That was Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. And it was Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 uh, with, with Jeff Simmons internet. Uh, I'm Brian M. Hauser at Hawk blogger. You can find us here um, with real Hawk talk every week. Please go ahead and subscribe. Click like, if you haven't already go to patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, get immediate access to the Slack channel where you can ask questions and keep the conversation going. All proceeds go to charity over $260,000 that you've all helped us donate. Um, so let's keep it going this year. It should be a fun season. And we are getting closer. We're getting closer to our season preview and our prediction show. So just everyone's got a brace. I will be starting to pick our predictions. That is coming. Until then, uh, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.